All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello. (laughs) I feel like we need to really um, set some expectations at the beginning of this episode. Yes. um, Which are, we love this book. We love this author. Uh And we definitely wanted to bring this to you guys. But um, Clayton is sick. And I am about to leave to get on a plane to go to London. <laughs> yes. So um, so this might be a little bit of like a quicker episode than, than we really would want to for this book. Um, but just know those are kind of the circumstances that we're working in. Um, but also know that that just means when we do the second book in this series, when we do Heartbreaker next month, it's going to be even a little bit like longer and that'll be super duper in depth. So, um, definitely, obviously we have a lot to chat about with this book and we're going to try to get everything in we can possibly get, but you know, some recordings we have nothing but time and some recordings we have to kind of eke out. So just wanted to come and tell you guys kind of the truth of what's happening right now. Yeah. Sometimes life gets in the way, but, Mm -hmm. uh, let's get into it then since we have very limited time. Well, first, we do have to do a quick little shout out to our newest patron. Oh, yes. Amy Schmid. Thank you so much for your patronage. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, start by judging this cover. So this week we read Bombshell by Sarah McLean. Um, what do you think of this cover, Clayton? Well, it's very interesting because Cicely is a firecracker. And mm-hmm. on this cover, she's trying to be a little bit demure, but also mm-hmm. is showing a little bit of leg to be, <laughs> to show like, okay, this is who I am. So it's an interesting cover. I mean, it's just her, no, no Caleb, which mm-hmm. is interesting, but that makes sense seeing as how this is a, this series is very much about the women and their what they're trying to do and their close friendship. So I do feel like the women are, should get the solo covers in this context. Yeah. I, I, I think this is an absolutely gorgeous cover. I do think it's pronounced Cecily. What did I say? Cicely? Yeah. Cecily. Yeah, it is Cecily. You're right. It wouldn't be Cecily because um, that's stupid. No, listen, there, there could be people out there named Cicely. But I think, yeah, Cecily. Yeah. Um, she, and she's also like inside in this, like there's like stairs everywhere. It's like dark and moody. It's like a very specific cover. And I think it does a really great job of getting kind of like the tone of the book where it's like, this is not a um, like standing in a field windswept book. Like she's a city girl um, obviously she's gorgeous. This model is gorgeous. The dress is eye catching and beautiful. She's the center of attention. Like you said, I think I love this cover. I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. I like the bombshell font as well. Yeah. The thin, the thin letters I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, real quick, just give us like, kind of like top, top level Clayton. What was this book about? Uh, Cecily, right? This is about yes. Ces- Cecily Talbot, who is one of the Hell's Bells, 
which is a group of ladies who are trying to take down the patriarchy. And Mm -hmm. she was and still is in love with Caleb Calhoun, who left a year ago. Uh, What was it? How long ago? Was it two, Two two years ago from the start of this book, although we do get a, a, a prologue from that mm-hmm. era. And he comes back because he is business partners with Cecily's, I can't, I don't understand why that's so hard for me. Cecily's <laughs> sister and Cecily's mm-hmm. sister's having a baby and he shows up and, and Cecily's like, Cecily, fuck. Cecily's like, <laughs> I'm sick. Cecily's like, what's your deal? Why did you leave? And it turns out mm-hmm. that he, there's this bad guy, Calford, who's trying to fleece these women. And it turns out that he didn't actually kill Calford's son, but Calford thinks he did. And so he was afraid that Calford would come for, for Cecily. Cecily. And so that's the whole deal. And then they fall in love at the end. And Colfrey yeah. gets arrested. So it's all good. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering if you picked up on the little Easter egg. So one of uh, Cecily's sister's books was the other book that we read. Broken Out Taken. For the podcast. Sophie. Yeah. Yeah, Sophie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we got to see Sophie again real quick. Yeah, I did not know going into this book that mm-hmm. it would be tied so much to the other series that Sarah has written. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I didn't assume that because that's something that we've seen a lot with, you know, Lisa Kleypas, obviously. So it there is, there you know, there is a, a precedent for that, obviously, in my reading experience. But I didn't expect there to be that much of a tie to other series. Because mm-hmm. the other book is The Day of the Duchess, which is Serafina's book. And that's sort of where we first meet Caleb. Mm-hmm. Because she and Caleb have uh, taverns in Boston. And then she comes home to open up a tavern in London. And Caleb comes with her because they're like really dear friends. Um, which I do love that they are just like platonic friends who deeply, deeply care and love each other. Cause I think that that you don't see a ton of that within romance, especially like a heroine and like a handsome man, you know? Um, although I guess you did see it in the first book of, uh, with the, when Derek Craven first shows up. Yes. What is it? But she, he's friends with the main, the heroine. Anyway. Um, so it is interesting, like this book is the first book of a series, but does tie back really intensely to other books that have already like been written or part of other series. So it is interesting. I'm a McLean completist. I've read everything that she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder, and I guess you've read one of the books that's referenced and not the other one. Did you feel like you still got like the whole story or did it feel like you were reading a book kind of like further in a series? Not really. I mean, the thing is, like any book in a first series with mm-hmm. larger casts, there was a lot of people to keep track of immediately, right? So, like, yeah. all of the Hell's Bells, they're introduced pretty quickly. 
Then you've got uh, Detective Peck. You've got a lot of characters. So it's it wasn't a case of, oh, I feel like I needed to have read other stuff. It was more just, oh, I, okay, this is a book one. And mm-hmm. book ones always have like a different feel. Yeah. Like we, yeah, starting a series is always really hard because, yeah, you have to simultaneously kind of like set up a world, characters, and then also just do the actual work of having the central love story, which is always really difficult as well. And this also being like a second chance romance um, is interesting too, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it does, this book really does feel like you have jumped on a moving train. Oh, you know, where, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Like, things are already in in motion. Like, and that's what's really, I love about this book, too, is I think that can be hard. And we've talked about this before of, like, an, a good author knowing when to start a novel. Mm-hmm. And it's a skill. And, and not everybody hits it. And I think this novel starts at the right spot. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we have the little prologue, which is based, which is just kind of like a fun scene of Cecily going to like a fair and it's how she first comes in contact with the Duchess. And so the Duchess is the woman who's kind of put together these, this group of women who sort of avenge uh, women within the aristocracy and out of the aristocracy, but are sort of like writing wrongs of society and like writing the wrongs of the patriarchy. Um, so that's important and kind of table setting. And then to have the book itself start basically like with the return of Caleb, I think was so great. And we come into uh, Cecily in motion, Cecily in the middle of like pulling a, a job or, you know, whatever it's called. Um, and Caleb sort of observing her there. And I thought, you know, we know a lot already about their relationship and kind of how their relationship is going to play out in the book through even just these like first few scenes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I think that's the thing is like, we talked before the show that this the beginning of this book is is more of a caper involving mm-hmm. women, close friends, than it is a romance until uh, Caleb, then almost halfway through, and then it becomes more about Caleb and mm-hmm. and Cecily. C- <laughs> Cecily, I, I can't Cecily. understand why that I'm having such trouble with that. No, um. And yeah, so I, you know, reading this book too, and you mentioned it before we got on mic, it's like, I think, I think originally, you know, historically in romance, um, so many of the heroines were like self-insert characters. And so they weren't like super duper, uh, alive on the page always. Or it seems like a lot of times there's more emphasis being put on heroes rather than heroines. And I have to say, this book is about Cecily. And you fall in love with Cecily and you want to watch Cecily. And not to say that Caleb isn't a great hero, because he is. He's like roguish and handsome and he has like an air of mystery to him. And he's always like coming in and trying to save her and has that kind of like alpha-esque properties of like wanting to keep her safe and all those things. And like, I loved Caleb as well, but I do think that Cecily is such a star 
in this book and has been a star. I would say like whatever she shows up in other books, you always are like, what's Cecily up to? Um, was she somebody and I who was that about this book? Was she somebody who was anticipated by fans to be like, oh, when is her book going to happen? Yeah, I remember when I heard that this book would be focused on Cecily. I was like, thank God. I was mm-hmm. really thrilled. Because she just is like kind of alive in that way. She's also a heron who doesn't want children. And that is kind of like a non-issue with her and Caleb in a way that I liked too. Where she's like, listen, I have 10 nieces and nephews. And I don't think my sisters are slowing down anytime soon. So like, I'm totally cool with that being those are the children in my life. And, you know, that's a decision that I think people are able to make more. But like, even now I have friends who are like, know and have known since they were young that they never wanted children. And it's an issue or it's something they have to constantly explain to people. And so I just liked how definitive she was in that choice. Yeah. So the thing about her as well, and I'm just going to refer to her as sexily. And I know that that's what the, <laughs> the, the ton calls her and that's like shitty, but I, mm-hmm. I somehow can't say her name. And so <laughs> I'm going to call her sexily, but and not in a derogatory way, just because I, I think she'd remember. appreciate it probably. Too. Yeah. It's fine. Is that she's 30. Mm-hmm. So she's yes. she's older, which is and God saying thirty is older, but for these types of books, she is older, and that is super refreshing. Uh huh. Yeah, and Caleb is thirty five, which I love too, because some like I read this book that I did love, but this person had gone from like abject poverty to insane wealth. And he was like 28. Mm. And I was just like, logistically, how does that happen? Like, things just do take time. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, yeah, Caleb. And we find out that Caleb had like left England at 17. And it's like, yeah, I believe in 18 years you could build that up. Like, what he has makes sense for, you know, his age and everything like that. And I, yeah, I loved that they were both over 30. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the idea that you need to find your true love in your early your your late teens, early twenties. I mean, even in your thirties, like mm-hmm. there's there is that idea because it's so wrapped up in the biological part of it, right? The mm-hmm. reason that people still think you need to get married at a certain time and get together with somebody at a certain time is because you want to be able to have kids. Mm-hmm. And if that's something that society no longer prioritizes, then finding love later will be less stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I, that's the thing is like, I do, I, I, same as you, I know, I know a significant amount of people who are, don't want to have kids it doesn't interest me, I like my life, or I don't think I'd be a good parent, which is something that Mm -hmm. people don't want to, a lot of people don't want to say, but it's better than having kids and and feeling that way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for a long time, I mean, obviously we're talking about this again in a post-real world, but, you know, there was a time where there wasn't a, a choice. And even... Uh, it, it, just societally, it didn't feel like there was a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
it was even that much harder to know that about yourself. Yeah. And that's what I like too about having an older hero and heroine is like they definitely like know themselves at that stage. Mm -hmm. And especially because we've seen Cecily, you know, over the years now, we understand that like prior to this, like I don't know that she could have been in a relationship. Like I don't know that she fully knew herself. Yeah. Until she's got with the bells and she sort of was able to have an identity outside of her family or outside of just being somebody who's like a little bit scandalous. And, you know, now she's able to sort of uh, wield her reputation in a way that is like really beneficial to her because she can, you know, she can dress the way that she wants to dress, be a little bit outrageous. And she kind of uses that to her advantage through the the schemes and things that they run. Um, and she feels like comfortable in it. And I think that that's, uh, and I, and I like that about having a little bit of an older heroine who is a little bit more settled in who, in her identity, you know? Well, it really helps to sell the, the, the happily ever after mm -hmm. because it's, hard one and it's also taken a while it just feels mm -hmm. more like okay this is really the thing because if you again if you get at your happily ever after at 22 that's a lot of time there's a <laughs> lot of time after that and not that there mm -hmm. isn't a lot of time after 30 and 35 but still those years are so integral to your maturation and especially back then when people's people's lives are accelerated in a way mm -hmm. that they aren't now. I mean, now when you look at adolescence really does go into the end of your twenties, maybe into your early thirties, because a lot of people are still in school. There's still, th mm -hmm. there's people in their mid thirties who have never not been in school. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, maybe that was the case back then for a very rare few, but I doubt it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, well, that's also based, you know, the aristocracy traditionally would marry a lot younger because uh, it was about sort of like money and... Um, Getting heirs. In getting heirs and also you didn't, yeah, if, if, if it's just about like dowries and things like that, you would just get married younger where traditionally like the middle class, like you would still get married, like people in the middle class, I think in like the middle ages, which obviously this book doesn't take place then, but like historically would get married a little bit later because you would want to like work for a while before you had kids and mm -hmm. be able to pay for a wedding and be able to pay for a, a place outside of your parents' house if that's what you wanted to do. So yeah, I think it is also just a product of that as well. I also like, so, you know, Cecily's parent father is the first Earl of wherever they're the Earl of. Um, and I like that too, because like Cecily has come into this world as an adolescent rather than being born into generations and generations of it. And I think that's the thing that also kind of allows her to have the perspective that she does on the aristocracy and then Kayla being American. I mean, not actually American, but yeah, yeah. Us having an American sensibility too. It's, I, you know, 
that's something that's rare as well. Like most of the books that we read that are historicals are dukes and duchesses and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. I do love when he's referred to as American in the terms mm-hmm. of saying of just calling him American. Like, what are you doing over here, American? Because <laughs> as an American myself, a true American as myself, because Caleb is not really. But yeah, to to be the outsider as an American is always interesting, right? To view yourself mm-hmm. as the person outside i mean you're about to do that because you're going to london Mm -hmm. you and pat are going to be the outsiders there in a way Uh, but that's always an interesting thing because it's so easy to always look at something through an american's lens yeah and when you're able to step out of that and it's even starker now because you have a quote-unquote american character that's referred to as american where when we read all these other romances, most of the time, I mean, occasionally we'll have an American, but most of the time, mm-hmm. like you said, it's it's all sort of Europe and, and London and all that stuff. And so that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Now, one, yeah. there is a term that they refer to sexily as, uh, well, I mean, especially like Colford does, light skirt. Mm-hmm. Is that a term? I I don't think I've run into that term previously when we've read any books. And it, that's to mean somebody, it's a derogatory term, of course, right? Yeah. Because a, like a proper lady wears heavy skirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like light skirt, like you pull your skirts up a lot to have. Oh, that. so your skirt is light because you're able to pull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, having somebody having a heavy skirt is one of those things where it's like it's hard to get into their pants. <laughs> right. So it's just like, yeah, you have a it's like, yeah, so you have a light skirt because you lift it up so much. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> I mean, sick burn. And then, yeah, sick burn. <laughs> and then we have. Yeah. So then we you know, we meet the other women. We have the Duchess, who I love. Um and then she's the leader. Adelaide. Yeah, she's the leader. She's the I don't know. What's who All right. I was I was going to try to make an analogy, but then I'm like I fully have never seen an Avengers movie, so I'm like why am I even bothering doing this? Don't cater to the dorks. Don't do it. I know. I don't I don't actually know. Um Well, I mean, I think yeah, the leader of the Avengers That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's maybe Iron Man. Possibly. No, who's the one that like at the at the all the stingers would be him being like, let's get together. Oh, well, that's. Oh, so you think it's uh, Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury. Um, I guess, you know, I guess I guess you're right. As much as I said we didn't want to cater to the dorks, I kind of wanted to figure out who she would be. I guess she <laughs> would be that. I guess she would be that. Um, but let's not do Avengers her. for the rest of them. No, yeah. she is. But I love her. Her husband is off somewhere doing something. I like we're going to get their story as well, which I'm like very much looking forward to. Obviously, I think because it's like a four book series. I think each woman will have a book. Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. Um, And then the next book in the series we know is Adelaide. She's like a wallflower, like kind of uh, pushed to the background. Yeah. And then. The scenes already, because we already get scenes between Imogen 
and uh, Tommy Peck, who I think is going to be her hero. Yes. And they're so much fun. Mm -hmm. I loved those scenes. Yeah, that's that's definitely – I definitely picked up on that when you were talking – I think it was last episode maybe about are you starting to figure out and like who's going to be coupled off and things like that. And this one was a very, Mm -hmm. very obvious one I felt. Yeah. But they were so fun together because also it was like the rare time when there is a scene in one of – in a romance novel where it's like neither of the main characters are there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those can be a little bit like, all right, so what are we doing here? But I feel like in this instance, I was like, wonderful. (laughs) So – Where – yeah. So I I felt in general with this book that I knew you would – you because you had read this previously. Yes. Because you're a completist. And uh-huh. I knew you would like it because of while I was reading it, two things: mm-hmm. the the strong female friendships, definitely yeah. having like the hell's bells that pack of, of ladies right up your alley. The other thing is Caleb Pines, mm-hmm. like fresh scent of pining hero. Mm-hmm. It's got to be on that list. I haven't looked ahead at the notes, but it's got to be on that list, right? It's, it wasn't, but we need oh to add goodness. it. Oh, my goodness. We got to add it. How is that? We have to add it. It might not be just because when was this book published? 2021, I think. So that, that may be why it's not on that list. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so much pining. There's so much mutual pining. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get it. Like, we're not down to tropes yet, but we get an amazing amount of tropes. Also... There's one scene, the first time that they have sex, and it's in this, like, uh, groundskeeper's cottage that they, like, break into, and um, uh, and then, like, Caleb leaves in the morning mm-hmm. because he feels like he can't stay, and he's putting Cecily in danger. Yeah. And then later they have sex again, and then Cecily leaves because she has a plan that she's formed. So, the equality of the two of them too, like the way that they played off each other, the way that they like were constantly also like getting in physical fights with like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that they would like kind of back and forth, take care of each other. I really liked as well. I don't know. I just like really like this book guys. They just, were, like, they were equals. All. They were equals, which yeah. is big. Usually that's not the case, mm-hmm. but it's hard. It was hard in historicals for a woman to be equal because mm-hmm. of, everything working against them. Yeah. And here you have a heroine who is really fighting against the system. So she's able to be more equal. I guess that's the thing is like, it's not, you can't say that she was looked at as equal in society's eyes, of course, but I think her way of handling herself, the fact that he always wanted to protect her and she didn't need his protection was really cool. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. So what's what's? Oh, I mean, this is a big question. Would you fuck them? Yes, both of them. Both they both them. seem very sexy. Absolutely, I'd fuck both of them. And we can't even get into <laughs> everybody else because we'll have we, the books. Yeah. To, they'll they'll have mm-hmm. their own books. Yeah, and I will say too, like that something that I liked about this book is, you know, with romances, it's like why do people end up together? 
or not like needing to be together. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about like you do feel like had Caleb left, Caleb would be ruined on the floor. He'd be a mess and a shell of a man. But I do think Cecily would be okay. And I love that dynamic. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like Caleb is trash for her. Like he, it's it. And I think, you know, but you don't feel it the other way, which I think is good. Yeah. I mean, she would always kind of have that whole, Mm-hmm. But she would survive. Yeah. Yeah. She also has a good relationship with her sisters, which I like, even though they've accepted her having a different kind of life, which is good. Yeah. All um. Right. All right. Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. Happy, witty, and fun historical romance novels. I'd say so. Yeah. All of those things. There is like dead bodies and stuff, but it's cool. And in general, it's a pretty, and there's a lot of angst, but it's not like dark. No, necessarily. no, no. Best historical romance covers. You really love this cover. I think it's great. I think it's a great cover. I like it too. I, I w- but I wouldn't say it's in my best category. Uh-huh. Um, favorite romance books. I could see that. This is also a hard category because it's like so subjective. how many are allowed on the list? Because it's like if it's an infinite list, then you're like, yeah, definitely. If it's yeah. like top three, as much as I loved it, is it top three? I don't know. Yeah. So it's like, but in general, if we're saying it's an infinite list, then yeah, of course. Yeah. Hot, steamy, central historical romance books. It's steamy, yeah. There's a lot of sex. Mm-hmm. They fuck. These two fuck. Um, the books featuring un- unlikely friendships. Now, are they saying that the Bells are unlikely friends? Because I don't... I don't think anybody don't in this know. book is unlikely to be unlikely. friends with each other. No. I think they all... Like, all of the Bells are outcasts in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe Caleb and Serafina are unlikely friends because he's like an American and she's um, like a titled woman, mm-hmm. maybe. But I don't know. I wouldn't say so necessarily. Yeah. Um, this male positive feminist romance. Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, the thing is, is like a lot of the men are scum. Right. But it's not like, I guess this is a sticky category because like it doesn't feel like unrealistic how bad the men are. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's maybe what they're saying is like in a, in a male naked, in a, in a, in a feminist romance that is negative about men, everybody's bad. Yeah. But I don't know how that would work because you got to have a hero. Right. This is and just other a weird than Caleb, list. Yeah, other than Caleb, there are other men in the book that are like good men. You yes. know, so it's not, you know. Um, this 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 list reader is I'd be interested to to pick their brain cuz I mean, I understand what they mean about like uh, I don't think we've ever read a book where we're like this author hates men. But no. those books might be out there. And we just don't read them because they're not at, they just don't interest us. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. So I would say yes to this list. 
Sure. But I would also say, let's, I mean, this list needs to be clarified or something. Yeah, let's invest, let's talk a little bit further about this list, but. Yes. I guess, yes. Uh, Oh, the romance. Sure, yeah. Romantic. Yeah, why not? Witty historical romance books. Of course, as always. Books with strong women characters, all genres. All genres. So they're just like, this list must be I want a strong female and I don't care what else is happening in that book. Wow. All right. Fine. Historical romance for feminist readers. Sure. Romances with strong and smart heroines. Yes. Romance novels where heroines take on the patriarchy. Definitely. Best romances with spinsters, wallflowers, or old maids. Yeah. Like, technically, I guess Cecily is a spinster, but it's, like, so widely outside of the way that she views herself. Like, she doesn't view herself ever in relationship to men. Like, she never has a moment where she's like, oh, if only I was married, or I feel like I didn't dance with enough people or something. She's like, no, listen... I've been having sex since I was 20. Things are pretty good. I don't want to have kids. We're having fun. Well, because all of these are in, in, in reference to how a woman is appears, appears to a man, right? Yeah. Because like a spinster is like, she's a woman that's unmarried. A wallflower is mm-hmm. a woman who's not dancing with men. Mm-hmm. And an old maid is somebody that is no longer sexually appealing to men. To the point where they mm-hmm. just look like they appear to be maids, like they're just there to do menial jobs. Nothing against maids, obviously. Maids, it's a job and it's worthwhile. But in the context of this, it's derogatory. Mm-hmm. Right. See, I learned so much from this podcast. <laughs> you really do. Yeah. It's been, you know, four years. Yeah. If I haven't, um, then there's really something wrong with me. <laughs> Which there could be, but I don't think it's that specifically. The, exactly. Um, you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, women's rights in romance novels. Like, I, yes. I mean, yes, because these are like women taking things into their own hands. But they aren't like out there trying to change things like systematically. Like they are just trying to correct Things on a very micro level, which I think is fine. And listen, all revolutions start at home or start, you know, on a micro level. So I'm not like criticizing them, but I wouldn't say this is like a women's rights books in the way that like the suffragette scandal was or others that are more about, um, you know, something more specific. Nice. I mean, I'll go along with your reading of it because obviously that's your milieu. Uh, heroine is a schemer. Yes. She be scheming. She's scheming nonstop. She's a little stinker. (laughs) Uh, romance with strong female friendships. Absolutely. Romance novels with flirting. I mean, yeah. A lot of flirt. I, and I think like we talk about this with like Cleopas and stuff and how difficult it is to just have two characters flirt and talk to each other in a way that is like fun to read. And I think this book does a good job of that where it's like, you can see them really enjoying speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. All right. Clayton, what are your tropes? Second chance romance, Mm -hmm. 
hidden places because there's a maze at the beginning of this. I know, yeah. Fresh scent of pining hero. I know it's a list, but it's also a trope at this point. <laughs> uh, older heroine and older hero. And now, obviously, we're not talking about people in their 70s, but older for the genre, definitely. Yeah. Woman who doesn't want kids. Uh, Fake identity. Also, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, what what would be the trope of a body being, a, a dead body replacing your hero? What is, what would we call that trope? That's very interesting. Yeah. We call it like a week at a Bernie's, like using a yeah, dead body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hero at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah, body snatchers. Yeah. Although she says specifically she's not a body snatcher. She she draws a line. Yeah, yeah. Hero is dead, but not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a different trope, though, I think. That's yeah, more of that's like... that's like a coming sh- back from the dead. Yeah, a hero, the heroine thinks the hero's dead or vice versa, and then they reappear. So that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Hero at Bernie's, I think, is really great. Yeah, Hero at Bernie's, I think, is good. And um, strong female friendships, obviously. Mm-hmm. So those are my tropes. What are your tropes, Aaron? So I have second chance romance because they, I mean, and not that they dated two years ago, but they definitely like flirted and kissed. And I think both like were really attracted to each other. In love with best friend's sister, pining, separated for own good. So like Caleb leaves because he thinks it's better for Cecily. Um, Light stalking and that Caleb really does follow Cecily around a lot. Like, and it is funny because Cecily's in the middle of like, you know, stealing something or running one of her schemes. And then she doesn't even look up and she's like, hi, Caleb, why are you here (laughs) again? Yeah. You know, fucking in a rainstorm. So no, they don't fuck out in the rain, but there is this uh, trope of kind of going for a walk, getting caught in the rain, running to a shelter and then having sex for the first time. Yeah. I love it. And it's perfect. And every time it happens, I'm thrilled by it. Yeah. Um, Hero in a gang. She's in like the girl gang. She's in the bells. Hero has a secret identity. He has a secret identity. Mm-hmm. I like too that like they're like he's like no my real name is Peter, um, and they're like we're gonna keep calling you Caleb and referring to you as an American. We it's too late to switch. It's yeah yeah yeah. Uh, no babies. Uh, no virgin heroine. She's not a virgin. Everybody's cool with it. Yep. Strong female friendships. Warriorism. Here's something that I thought that was interesting, and I do wonder if it was on purpose or what, but the first time that they like hook up in the um, closet, mm-hmm. the same thing that happens with Sophie and uh, King in their book, where Sophie describes the first time she saw like two people having sex and it was like the stable in boy. a bar in the stables. Yeah. Yeah. Then in this book, the first time they hook up, Caleb makes her Cecily talk about the first time she was a boyer and started and spied on people having sex and like would stop having like stop touching her when she stopped talking and she had to like kind of go through the whole thing. It was very sexy and it's yeah. a very sexy device that was great to see both times. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, leaving after sex, so each of them do it to the other where they have sex, and then they sleep, and they wake up alone, uh, and then dirty talk. Nice. Yeah. 
There's more tropes. I mean, this is pretty tropetastic, so there's definitely more, but um, those are the ones I kind of jotted down as I went. Yes. Clayton, what has you swooning? What has me swooning is I was in the city yesterday, mm-hmm. and I stopped at a book a, a bookstore called Book Off. I don't know if anybody who is in New York the New York area is familiar with this, but it is a Japanese used bookstore. And I believe there's one or two of them in the city. The one I go to is on 45th uh, Street. And they have used books and they also have used DVDs. For whatever reason, I was perusing the DVDs and I found a box set of a show that I had not seen in a million years. And I remember being very fascinating. And it was called The Joe Schmo Show. Do you remember The Joe Schmo Show? <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. It was at the beginning of the reality TV boom. Mm-hmm. And it was a Spike TV show. So this is aging me. And they get a guy to think he is part of a, sh- a reality show. But it's really a bunch of actors. And they are... Everything's fake. And Mm -hmm. it stars a young Kristen Wiig as one of the castmates. Oh. And it, I remember it being pretty funny and and kind of shocking. Shocking Mm -hmm. in the sense of, of, of how this guy reacted and stuff. But I just bought the DVD set for like seven bucks or whatever. And I'm currently on the first disc. And it does remind me how I'm not a big streaming fan in general for what it does. I mean, that's a different conversation, but it is a lot easier to deal with than DVDs. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching it now and it's really fun. I mean, there's some dated elements, obviously, but the the guy, the main guy is actually seems like a halfway decent guy for being kind of a jock and kind of like a douchebag. But mm-hmm. but not like a mean douchebag, but just kind of like how everybody was douchey in the late '90s, early 2000s. And so uh, yeah, the worst. I'm just really having fun revisiting it now. Again, I haven't Googled this guy since, so God forbid. Who knows if this guy's a scumbag? I'll probably just scrub this whole thing. But <laughs> right now, it's I'm having fun inserting discs and 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 watching this show. So the Joe Schmo show is my. <laughs> Is my very relevant and current uh, swoon. That's amazing. Erin, what has you swooning? So I am swooning also about a TV show. Joe Millionaire. Called <laughs> The <laughs> no. Swan. I did watch Joe Millionaire. It was great. Yes. What did you, would you say? Saw? The Swan. Oh, The Swan was absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. The ending? Yeah. Um, no, but also, truly, what trash. What an evil, disgusting society we were living in. Yes. Not like now when everyone is, like, so civil and <laughs> Exactly. Um, it, was, ugh, it was rough. I mean, this isn't my swoon, but I watched the HBO Woodstock doc, and I was like, and I was 15 when that happened, when, that, when Woodstock happened, and Woodstock 99, rather, and I was like, God, what a disgusting cesspool of a society we had. And it was all just 
like centered around those like people who were going to Woodstock '99 is gross. Well, you anyway. mean you mean the Netflix three episode Harder. one? Yeah, because mm-hmm. they had the HBO one earlier, so there's a lot of. Oh no, yeah. So I I would complete as as far as Woodstock '99 goes. Yeah, sorry, it was the Netflix three parter, which was really good too. Yeah. Um, I just like binged a show called Uncoupled by it's so it's uh Darren Starr who is the creator of Sex in the City, um, and it stars Neil Patrick Harris uh, as a man um, who has been in this like very long relationship, and his boyfriend he's throwing his boyfriend like a fiftieth birthday party. And as they're about to walk into the 50th birthday party, his boyfriend turns to him and is like, I, I've moved out this afternoon. Like, we're done. Whoa. And then it's just about Neil Patrick Harris kind of coming to grips with, like, being single at his age and what it means and, like, how to move forward. And I have a lot of issues with sex in the city. But I will say I do think Darren Starr is super talented and it's such a good show um, and, like, so watchable. And it feels like uh, like shows that aren't made as much anymore is that it's, like, it's it's really, like, the background characters feel like real characters. Like, you have Marsha Gay Harding is there. Um, and uh, it's just a really funny, well-done, well-written, well-acted show. Um, so it's great. So if you are looking for something new to watch, Uncoupled is really great. Also, like it's like romancy adjacent. It's not he doesn't it's he doesn't find a new boyfriend or anything like that, but it's like, you know, about the pursuit of love and relationships. And I think it's a good job too of showing why these long-term relationships break up. And and it's interesting because it really shows like we as the audience understand why his boyfriend broke up with him, mm-hmm. but him, the character d- can't see why. And I just think that's an interesting dynamic too, that you don't always see where it's not that he's like a bad person, but you see like what the things were that probably were eventually this guy was like, I got to get out of here. So, um, anyway, it's a great show. And if you're looking for a good show, go ahead, watch uncoupled. Great. Is it available on DVD? <laughs> right now it's just on Netflix, but here's hoping. I guess I'll have to wait 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I want to buy it for seven bucks. Yeah. Well, remember when you would buy DVDs of TV shows and they were so expensive? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. My, the way I watched The Sopranos was my parents used to buy the box sets of the seasons. Mm-hmm. And I remember them being, I might be wrong, but I think they were like 50 bucks or something. Maybe even more. Yeah. Everybody would always get box sets for Christmas because they were like too expensive. They were like, like your main Christmas present would be like six feet under. That's so funny. Um, Yeah. So I I had the complete Oprah like box set. Oprah? I don't know where it is. Yeah. Wait, how was that complete? Well, it wasn't complete, but it was basically she did this thing. It was like a 10 disc, like highlights from her shows and the lessons she learned and everything. And like in college, me and my friends would just like watch it nonstop. Like we were like fully Oprah obsessed. And so we would like watch the, this like giant box set of DVDs. But I just remember I would like end up carrying it around with me everywhere because I would like go to different friends' apartments and we would just watch Oprah that- as like 21 year olds in college. And it's full like special features, right? Because she would ha- it would be so moments. many special features. That's what yeah. I, I, we can't. We don't have time. We said we have to make this short, but special features. 
Like that's the reason I bought the the Joe Schmo DVD because I was like, I could probably find this on the internet. But the main guy does commentary on the season finale. And I got That's what I miss. And I gotta yeah. watch that. I just need to know his thoughts re-watching the end of it. I just need it. Yeah. I feel like if Apple or Amazon, if one of them were to bring back director tracks or cast like commentary tracks, like you would make a mint because there are so many movies that I would fully like purchase for twenty dollars if there was a like a commentary. You know? Well, that's the problem with streaming is that it's all about what Wall Street thinks of the streamer and subscriber numbers. It doesn't matter what the content is, right? So, like, if the expense of commentary tracks is not going to bring in a massive amount of subscribers, then they don't mm-hmm. care. They're not about giving you what you yeah. want. Like, that, that's the thing is, like, I do think that there is a market for it for people mm-hmm. to purchase these things. And we might see it in the near future of like DVDs coming back because CDs have come back and vinyl has come back and and cassettes Mm -hmm. have come back. So I do think movies are going to migrate back to that form in in some way. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Aaron, where can they find us? So don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcast. Um, You guys are really great at that. It's the way people find us. So if you do have a moment, uh, we would really appreciate it. We're on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and just search Learning the Tropes, you'll find us. You can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes. And we are on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, which come join us on Facebook. And we have merch, which is linked below. And that's it. That's it. All right. All right. So I got to go catch a flight. You have to drink some Robitussin. (laughs) Drink some Robitussin. Holy crap. (laughs) You had to take some Robitussin. You got to sleep. You got to take a nap. You got to rest your voice. Yeah. Um, And we will see you uh, next week. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Mm -hmm.